From Vermont Digger, I'm Mike Doherty. This is The Deeper Dig. The Racial Justice Alliance is meeting in Karen McCadden's room during both lunches today. Today, we're in the principal's office at Montpelier High School, not because we're in trouble. Principal Mike McRaith is talking about how the school abandoned the traditional rubric for evaluating students and adopted what's called a proficiency-based learning system. You know, when I went to high school, I had no idea how Mr. Anderson was calculating our grade, and I was scared to ask. I was like, I don't know how much quizzes count. I don't know what stuff is weighted. If I bring in brownies, does that count for points? Like, all that stuff is gone. I was about to say, do you have extra credit? No. Is that allowed? Mm-mm. Right. No, like all that stuff is gone. So in Montpelier, they have put together this, it's a poster, it's, it has a circle in the middle, and it has these different learning targets, these different learning objectives around the outside of it. And these are things that the school has has defined characteristics that they want all of their students to be proficient in by the time that they graduate. It's this little map up here, the colored one that is MPS in the middle. You'll see it all over our walls. Mm -hmm. And so those are our seven transferable skills. These go beyond the traditional academic boundaries. It's not necessarily specifically talking about, like, you need to know this mathematical thing. This is about habits of learning, so how prepared you are when you show up for class. It's about communication skills. They're sort of seen as these um, building blocks of being a, a a, a good learner. Elizabeth Hewitt has been reporting on proficiency-based learning for the Heckinger Report, a national education news site, along with VT Digger education reporter Lola DeFort. And so Montpelier has these transferable skills in place. They're something that students are now assessed on under the statewide graduation requirements, proficiency-based graduation requirements standard. All schools are supposed to have something similar in place now. And in Montpelier, they just have this poster just kind of put up around the school. Everywhere you go, you kind of see this image. Right, yeah. Teachers and the school in general are really transparent with students about having made this big shift to a proficiency-based system. When we were in classrooms, we actually heard one teacher even address it, say, like, well, now that we're in a proficiency system, we have less emphasis on, on vocabulary than we used to in the old system. In a more practical sense, the proficiency system manifests every day in that students come into a room and they'll have their learning targets for the day. Their objectives are written up on the board. And so they can say, okay, this is what we're shooting for. What kinds of things? Like what what would an example of a learning target be? It's what the class, what what you're trying to learn for the day, what what you're trying to accomplish in that class. But like not something vocabulary, not something memorization-based, but something more abstract. Right, yeah, it's sort of the overall moving towards this greater level of comprehension of what you're taking away from a class. I had become frustrated with sort of the meaninglessness of old grading, like looking at a student at the end of a year and mathematically they were doing really poorly, but I'd seen so much growth in them and I'm like, huh, so you're averaging a 60, but at this point in quarter four, you're like getting an 85. But mathematically, you did so poorly to begin with. And so it came from frustration and really sitting in meetings with parents telling like, no, they've made so much progress. And I know that it doesn't look like that on paper, but this is such an awesome kid. And they've done so much growing. This is Kevin Cohen, a teacher at Springfield High School who helped implement a proficiency-based system there. So um, a crew of us started like looking into like, okay, what can we do differently? Mm-hmm. And that was about the time that the state said, you're going to do a proficiency-based grading thing. And we're like, okay, let's take a look. And it just sort of, for me, it felt like a natural fit. 
they're all acknowledging that they're in the midst of sort of a transition. Where are Vermont schools in that transition right now? So all schools are supposed to be on target to have the class of 2020 graduate on a proficiency-based system. This is a move away from the older regime that many of us are familiar with of credits that are based on, you know, you show up to math class, you log your time in your seat in math, and that's what you do. You You take some tests. And that's how you move it forward. And under the proficiency system, they're trying to say, instead of logging that time and emphasizing that, we want to make sure that students are mastering these key skills and are becoming proficient in these different areas before they move on. So how does that manifest for an actual student in terms of their day-to-day learning, taking quizzes and tests and getting grades? Well, this is where it looks really different school to school. By law in Vermont, graduation requirements are set locally. And so school districts and schools could um, really chart their own path on this. And we've seen some schools have uh, really embraced this model wholeheartedly. They've changed their grading systems. They've um, restructured themselves in really big ways. My understanding is that some schools have done that less so. One of the things that's a hallmark of this is that students have multiple pathways to achieve their proficiencies. So I was in a classroom in Springfield High School where they have um, these innovation labs that are classes that combine different proficiencies from different academic subjects. Hmm. So one that I went to is called Your Brain on School. These students are going to be doing things like surveying their classmates and doing some different experiments that are count towards a statistics proficiency. And then they're also working on a psychology proficiency as a part of that. And at the end of the the class, they're actually going to make some policy recommendations based on what they learned. So when I was there, one of the students that was, she was um, working towards doing a survey on how alcohol and drug use impacts sort of student experience at Springfield High School. Another part of the proficiency system that many schools have adopted is being more flexible about timelines for completing work and giving students more opportunities to redo something. So if you um, aren't doing well in one, you know, summative assignment in an English class, that you can have multiple opportunities to go back and work with the teacher and retake that towards the eventual goal of being proficient instead of, well, too tough luck, the class ended, that's it, you're done. Right. This idea of, like, D's get degrees, it's like it's gone. Right. Right. It's like we need you to dim in proficiency or partial proficiency. It's the way we do it. Right? We Our proficiency is a three, but if you average a 2.5 in one of our classes, you earn credit. You're in, you're in proficiency. So that's actually partial proficiency. But that's still raising the bar. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you wanted to make sort of a crude analogy with grades, it's like, you used to be able to pass with a D minus, and now you need a C plus. I mean, that like that's kind of what it is. And so one thing is that students rise to those expectations for one piece of the puzzle. But there's also this need um, to do better by more students. And I think the clarity of the learning targets and goals helps, right? So it's not just sort of like, I don't know how this is connected to anything, and oh, we had this monster project that counts for 50% of the class, but I didn't do it. It's like that can't happen in this system the way we're set up. This is a pretty massive shift for those of us who grew up with, you know, a GPA that goes up to 4.0 or taking a test and, you know, you fail it and then it counts against your grade. This is pretty huge. 
It can be. You know, some schools have definitely stayed closer to the older system. Not all schools have changed how they grade, for instance. Many are still using A through F, but some have decided to switch over to a new form of grading that is used often in proficiency models. It is one through four, and three is considered proficient. Um, You know, if you're converting that to the old system, you're like, oh, that's a 75. So a 75 instead of a 60 is suddenly passing. That has been one of the areas that there's been the most friction with the community is that the system is new, you know, people don't necessarily understand it. I think in some places they're still figuring out issues with the calculation. There's been some rocky starts in some places. It's not easy for everybody to accept. I think the controversy comes when there's poor implementation or there's concern around post-secondary issues college is my baby gonna get into Yale or whatever and neither of those things are real concerns in my opinion I can understand why people are worried I I understand that the worry of course you want what's best for your children but basically at its foundation level what proficiency is is saying what students will learn and how they're going to be assessed that's all it really is and what's the alternative? You know, it's like, yeah, we don't really know what they're going to learn, and good luck trying to figure out how we assess them. We'll hear more about proficiency skeptics after the break. A quick message from our sponsors this week at AARP Vermont. And please keep in mind that VT Digger is nonpartisan. We don't endorse or warrant the claims of political or advocacy messages. There was a time when access to the internet was considered a luxury, but those days are long gone. Today, fast, reliable, and affordable internet access is as much a necessity as electricity. The digital revolution touches us all. Children needing access to homework, businesses requiring a connection, access to telehealth services, and everybody's need to stay connected with friends and family. A bill now in the state house moves us closer to solving this issue. Please join AARP Vermont in asking your state senator to support H-513. Back to Elizabeth. I think a lot of people are really in favor of the overall objectives here, but there are some people that sort of aren't sure about how it's actually being realized. I think the controversial part of it comes when people are concerned that schools or districts are trying something really sort of out there or that they're going to sort of do something that's a fad or or a phase and that their students are going to be the ones that are sort of experimented on and then they're not going to get into college and they're not going to have the education that they had hoped. And I think that that is an incorrect narrative. And the, the correct narrative, in my opinion, is that schools for generations and decades have been trying to identify what the learning targets are and then communicate those in a way that the students, the the faculty, and the communities can understand and then be fair about the assessment of those. And so I don't think that there's really much controversy in the actual principles of it. I think the controversy is when that's not communicated well. 
I think there's a lot of optimism for what this new system can be. I, you know, in several schools, in a couple schools I went to, the um, the transition was really teacher led. Mm-hmm. Teachers were really looking excited about this as a way to kind of re-energize and sort of put the learning more on students. That here you tell students what you want them to learn, and and you give them the opportunity to work towards that. So we emphasize later learning. So. There's a pocket of kids who think that they can wait until the end of the semester and um, get things done. And to a certain extent, that's true, but it's still very difficult to do that. It's not, right. it's not an easy thing to do. But there's a lot more kids who, I think, feel yeah. like, oh, good, I screwed up at the beginning of the semester because, you know, sometimes it's they're busy with sports or because we have a lot of kids who struggle with family situations that are rough. And so they have these pockets of time where they just aren't good students because they're not into that thing right then they've got these external forces Mm -hmm. that they can't control but then to i think some of them have this like sense of relief when they're done like oh my god i got through it in the end and not because it was easy necessarily but because i wasn't punished for this previous era and when i've spoken with students there i've heard a bunch of different facets of it. Some of the students I've spoken to have been really enthusiastic about it and said that, you know, they they really like that directed learning. They really like the transparency. They feel like those opportunities to redo assignments, that that gives them a chance to really understand the subject matter. And, and it gives them a chance to revisit and, you know, get to know it even better than they maybe did the first time, even if they did okay the first time. Other students that I spoke to did say that, you know, it, it's been a bit rough for them um, or like just has taken some getting used to that. One thing that I've heard from a couple different folks is that there might not be as much motivation. You know, mm. that opportunity to retake might mean that you don't try as hard as you would have the first time sure. or that because the grading system is different and they don't you know really understand it or that they're you know so getting used to it that you don't have that gratification of seeing, OK, well, my grade went up by like three percentage points when you're on the one through four system and, and a three is proficient that um, you don't see the incremental improvement that that you did in the old system. I think that proficiency in general was a really good idea. I think the implementation maybe is part of the downfall in the system. This is Eva Jessup, a junior and a student journalist at U32 High School, who's been reporting on the proficiency system there. Schools don't have enough to go off of and didn't have enough time to figure out the system before it really just went into place. And there was a little bit of a rush, like, okay, suddenly, I mean, it was described to us as we're building the plane as we're flying it, which sounds like it could work. And yes, there's things that you just have to learn along the way that you can't know ahead of time. But it's also difficult when you're a student and you're trying to be graded and you've been graded one way all of middle school and it's suddenly switched and you just have to kind of figure it out and teachers are figuring out at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, like, if you raise the bar from, like, a D to essentially, like, a a B plus, A minus range grade, which is essentially what they've done, is... Without any heads up. Yeah, without any heads up. Or, like, of course, like, you're going to... Like, from that, you have to know and expect that there are going to be more people that aren't going to graduate. Andrew Crompton, another U32 student journalist, is a senior. I don't think it's exactly fair to a lot of those students to then expect them to be proficient in all 41 standards, because that's something that they were clear in putting the boot down on, is just like, yes, you, there's no skating by, you can't 
wish, like you can't hope, yeah, we're not going to give you twos and, and you're still going to graduate. You have to get, you have to be proficient. They see it as positive in some ways, but that it's been kind of hard to be a part of the first class that's on the switch. The school held a meeting to sort of reinforce, make sure that everybody knew that now they have to achieve these 41 proficiencies in order to graduate. And according to the student journalists, that some of the students sort of realized that they might not be on track and that they would have to go to summer school or sort of figure out how to get there. The summer school thing is definitely, again, like parents are who maybe aren't in the loop necessarily mm-hmm it's suddenly becoming like, okay, this is a system that's kind of impacting us more than we thought it would. Mm. And I think on both parts, I know that teachers who are also parents are in big support of this change. And I also know parents who are just really frustrated with the fact that they weren't given any heads up about this switch and how it could impact their kids. And I think people are also worried about will this affect my college applications Mm -hmm. or will this affect me later on? And I think that's a little bit of like the scaring that kind of comes with this, that people are afraid of what's going to happen. And because it hasn't really been done, they aren't really sure. At that school as well, they had some issues with grading in the first year that they had this in place. And so they ended up not including the freshman year grades in their overall GPAs. But that said, uh, they were also, you know, optimistic that this could be a positive change and could ultimately be creating more opportunities. People who aren't in the classrooms can't, they only see the outside implications that are negative 90% of the time. Like, you don't see all of the good things that happen in the classroom and you only hear when your kid suddenly has to come for all of the month of July and that kind of makes you a little upset that this is like the resort school has to go to to get the kid to graduate. Right. It's interesting, you know, when you talk about these reactions, you're talking about sort of optimism for the future or skepticism about the future. It it seems very experimental. Do we have any information about either how it's affected outcomes for the students that have already experienced it, either in Vermont or, or elsewhere that it's been used? This is a model that is being tried at in several different states and, and schools around the country and has been for a long time. And there's a lot of research into into the theories behind it. In terms of outcomes, there are some studies that show some positive indicators for improving student experience in the classroom and improving their outcomes overall. I have not seen a lot in terms of hard data. In Vermont, if you look at sort of overall assessment or looking at the school systems overall over the last decade, um, we have seen the high school graduation rate has increased. And a lot has happened in the last decade, including this switch to proficiency, which again, the first class that will be on that, we, we don't know them yet because they're, they're graduating next year. But there are some indicator, you know, as the state has been like doing all of these overhauls that the, the graduation rate has been climbing. I think it's easy in education. There's constant initiatives. It feels like we're talked about a lot. And I feel like this is a good one. And just because people are complaining, I don't think that means you back off of the initiative. I think it means like, okay, we've got to work harder to explain why this is good. And I think philosophically, there's a lot of really profound and well-researched ideas that support why it's a good thing. And if we come up with something better, sure. But I think going backwards is a big mistake. Hmm. Um, 
Vermont is actually not the first state to make the decision to go towards a proficiency-based system. Uh, the state of Maine um, decided to put in a uni- proficiency-based graduation requirement statewide before Vermont made that decision. But that was a pretty rocky rollout, and Maine legislators actually ended up pulling back on the mandate last summer. And so that that requirement is no longer in place. Vermont is a different state than Maine, and it's a, it, there's a lot of different factors in place. I mean, for one thing, it actually wasn't Vermont legislators that required this shift, although it was a statewide standard that schools have to comply with. So it, it, it's interesting because it seems like, at this point, it doesn't seem like it's exactly the same as the experience in Maine. It seems very new. Right now, you're kind of taking a snapshot of it at the very beginning phase. You know, do you have any ideas of what we might see if we, if you kind of loop back to those same schools four years from now, what what it might look like? I wouldn't be able to predict, but I would say that you know the folks that I was in touch with sort of acknowledge that they're in they're in the middle of the transition, right? That this is this is a longer term project than just a couple years. I think they're kind of figuring it out. It, it would be very interesting to see where they stand in a few years and to see if they're sticking with things exactly as they are or if they they make changes down the line. Yeah. Studies by the state and also by uh, the Vermont Principals Association show that the vast majority of Vermont schools have embraced this change and are on track to have this in place. So even though there are some questions about it, there seems to be a broad movement in this direction. We're not really seeing the broad level resistance that we did in, in a place like Maine. Gotcha. Thanks, Elizabeth. Thank you so much, Mike. You can find the full report by Elizabeth Hewitt and Lola DeFort at vtdigger.org or heckingerreport.org. The Heckinger Report is an independent nonprofit newsroom that covers education. They partnered with VT Digger on this story. You're listening to The Deeper Dig. It's VT Digger's weekly podcast. We have new stories every Friday. Search for it and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts to get new episodes as soon as they land. Thanks again to our sponsors this week at AARP Vermont. We used music this week by Blue Dot Sessions and Lee Rosefear. We'll be back next week with more stories from the Digger Newsroom. Have a nice weekend.